the Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian, Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Tom Sumner, and we're going to be talking with uh, a writer, poet, and critic uh, whose story, uh, whose stories, poetry, and reviews have appeared in national and international publications. She was on the show a couple of months ago. We talked a little bit about writing, and she's a strong advocate for the uh, importance of of words, that words matter, and never a better time to talk about that than after what went on in Washington, D.C. yesterday. She's also the author of a uh, novel called Extreme. Her name is Joan Gelfand, and she joins me now by phone. Joan, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Tom. It's great. Um you know, I remember we had a wonderful conversation a, a couple of months ago. We were talking about uh, uh, writing for um, presidential speeches. Yes. And um, yes. <laughs> and and, and I, I, of course, we always think about the president of the United States. And you were pointing out it could be the president of your block club, um, but at whatever level. Um, words really matter. That was kind of a theme yesterday. If you were watching the news, I'm not sure if I haven't slept a wink, Joan. (laughs) You're a news guy, right? This was a big news day. It it really was. You know, it started out one way and then it went a different way and, and then circled back around. Um, but, but really, and, and so that people don't wonder what we're talking about, 
yesterday in Washington, D.C., after some remarks by the President of the United States, Donald Trump, some of his followers that were demonstrating about the certification of the electoral uh, college vote that would uh, solidify uh, Joe Biden's status as president-elect, um, many people are saying that, that his choice of words um, led to these demonstrators literally breaching the Capitol building and entering the, the um, chamber, the chamber. For, yeah, the chamber yeah, for the House yeah. of Representatives. And, and it was um, something like we really haven't seen in a long time. Most of the pundits are, are taking it back to the early 1800s, but there were some Puerto Ricans in the 1950s that stormed into the Capitol building and shot Gerald Ford. So it, it's, it's, it doesn't go back quite as far as, as you're hearing, but, um, but it is unusual. Um, but the power of words is, is a big part of what happened yesterday. Yes, and that to me was actually what was really heartbreaking was that, um, you know, it wasn't just uh, we're not happy with the election results and we don't believe the election. It was the choice of, um, you know, uh, Giuliani saying the word combat and um, Trump kind of inciting with the words that the election was stolen and that the results were false and so and and know, then he said in so many words to the crowd yesterday in Washington um weak people don't win we got to be tough and let's march on to the capitol yes 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 and these these are folks that are already feeling they're already disempowered Yes, and, and they're worked up to make their point, but they're also, remember, you know, a, a lot of folks are feeling disempowered. I mean, I really liked what, what Bernie Sanders was saying on Twitter, which is, okay, you know, l let's move on, let's, let's heal, but let's not forget that um, part of the reason you know, that the country is so divided is because we're having serious economic employment, uh, just um, life uh, issues where, you know, a, a lot of working people are not feeling empowered or that they're being cared for or that their lives are secure. And, you know, so Trump kind of got into this breach of, you know, where these people are feeling, you know, disempowered. Anyway, words are really, really important because, um, you know, I, I, I know you're a political show, but I just have to bring this in. Not, uh, not, not always, of, I, Joan. <laughs> not always, but we do, uh, we do lean that way quite a bit. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, but I do a lot of yoga. And so in yoga, they do, uh, they do what they call a lot of, um, you know, uh, suggestions and, and guided uh, practices, right? And, you know, when you hear certain words, your body actually responds to the words. And I've always found that kind of interesting. I mean, this goes back to, you know, years and years of 
business uh, uh, experts saying, you know, positive thinking, you know, because how you think and what you say affects not only your actions, but literally your body. So it's really important to uh, what this uh, blog post was about that you were interested in was how to write communications that heal, uh, you know, that people so often get into conflicts and misunderstandings with emails and texts. Yeah, exactly. And, and, um, that's and and that really speaks to another thing that happened that was a little bit under the radar for some people, and that was uh, Trump's being blocked from Twitter and uh, Facebook. Yes, yes, because his words there also were they felt um, a threat to national security. They felt that his words were too incendiary that they were um, riling people up and inciting them to uh, basically uh, criminal action. I mean, that was something that was really interesting to me yesterday. It's like, this is not just, oh, you got past security and got into the Capitol building. This is a crime, (laughs) you know. Um, Anyway, uh, like you, I'm I'm still a little overwhelmed at, uh, at the visuals that I saw yesterday. Um, Anyway, it's very important to choose our words carefully and especially when writing emails and texts because we can't see people's body language or expression. It's really important to reread and double check. Did I say this in the right way? Am I, you know, am I being um, calm? is my email or text going to be received in the way that I meant it with this, with the intention? I think because of the brevity of those two forms, people sometimes forget the niceties. Do you know what I mean? Like one of the things in, in, in my post was sometimes writing a real handwritten note uh, is actually kind of sweet because People can see your handwriting. They can see that you made the effort. Anyway, it's just, I think it's becoming more and more challenging to say what we really mean in these very short forms of digital communication. And and I've had that happen a couple of times. Um, You know, from time to time, a guest will will take the time to send a card or a note. And and it's... it's it's one of my favorite things when I open up one of those notes and I've, I've heard back from somebody that I've had a delightful conversation with and they could easily call me up and say, you know, I really enjoyed that conversation the other day. But it's just so much nicer when you get a little card or a note. Totally. I, I agree. And, um, and it's rare. You know, oh, yes, yes. And that's why I'm saying... Don't forget that this is still available to us. We can still take a piece of paper, write a few lines, put a stamp on it, and and mail it. Um, I I hope our post office bounces back after all of this drama. Um, But, you know, like you said, 
taking the time and what it feels like to open up that letter, you know, it gives you a moment to kind of connect with that person. I've had people write me emails where they basically write the whole email in the subject line, and then there's nothing in the email, and you're like, oh, that's a little abrupt. <laughs> you know, um, so so we do have, we have to be a little careful, yeah. I, I've also found that um, that the mood you're in will impact the way you read an email. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, if you're feeling that the person who sent it to you, let's say a colleague that you have some conflict with or a boss, you know, and if it feels very abrupt, it can trigger all of your insecurities about that relationship. I mean, that's part of the problem, right? Like, what kind of, exactly what you said, how you're feeling. And, you know, if it's like, oh, oh, this is just another day, this is how this person communicates. But not everybody can do that. Some people are really sensitive. Well, yeah, um, and, and it could be as simple as, um, is that report ready yet? And if you're right. in a slightly bad mood, all of a sudden it's not just a question, you're being hounded. Right, right, exactly. That's a really good point. And, um, you know, kids and parents text each other, right? And, uh, you know, there are frustrations, but I think, you know, in the old days there was a certain boundary about what you could and couldn't say. Now there's kind of a joke with young people that, uh, you know, uh, young, young people break up by text. And so uh, this is kind of a new thing in the last, let's say, decade. And so, um, you know, there's this joke like, no text message breakup, you know, like, don't break up with me by a text. And, and then you have, you know, your toxic emails where people will unload, you know, all of their negative feelings into an email because they don't have to look at you or have a conversation with you. And those, those things, they don't work. It doesn't work. You know, it's re I think it's really important to keep the basics of communication and some, just like yesterday, I think we need to go back to some serious boundaries. You know, um, certain things are not okay. And we've had a president that has been kind of breaking a lot of boundaries. And so it's, it's been confusing to, for people, especially around words. Well, yeah, and, and common courtesy is, you know, just not as common as it used to be. Just, it's just like sending the note thing. Um, you know, yes. someone who would think to write a note would think to choose their words carefully and their inflection and it, it, there's there's a lot to this but i want to ask you about the novel i want to ask you about extreme joan and but i have to go to a break can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more a few minutes yeah uh -huh, absolutely okay uh, my guest is uh, joan gelfand she is the author of a novel called extreme we're going to find out about that and more after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break they are a broadcast uh 
service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend uh, Paul Herring. That's WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. I'm United States Surgeon General Jerome Adams, America's doctor. And all across our nation, we've taken steps together to slow the spread of coronavirus. Now we must continue to take personal responsibility to protect ourselves and our loved ones. Because even though not all of us risk a severe case of coronavirus, we all risk getting it and spreading it to others, maybe without even realizing that we're sick. So if we want to get back to school, back to work, back to worship, and back to overall health. There are things our country needs to do. We need to follow state and local guidelines, take extra precautions if at higher risk, wash our hands frequently, stay six feet from others when we can, and when we can't stay six feet from others, please, I'm begging you, wear a face covering. These small actions will make a big difference. So I'm asking you to say it with me, America. Coronavirus stops with me. You can learn more at coronavirus.gov. Produced by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at taxpayer expense. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, photographers, and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Thank you and thank you all for tuning in. You know, we know that tough times don't last, but tough people do. We've been through a lot here in Michigan. We've been through crisis before, where the country needed their countrymen and countrywomen to pitch in collectively to get through a crisis and rise to the occasion. Michigan once was the arsenal of democracy to win World War II. We need that same spirit now. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals and first responders to stop the spread and to save lives but we need your help too. The state has launched a new volunteer website at www.michigan.gov forward slash fight COVID-19, where trained medical professionals can register to serve their fellow Michiganders by assisting hospitals in fighting COVID-19. State residents can also use the site to find out how they can help in their local communities by giving blood or donating resources or needed medical supplies. 
Whether you're a medical professional looking to volunteer or you're someone who can give blood or donate to your local food bank, everyone can help out. To get through this, we must all do our part. Stay home, stay safe, and save lives. The Tom Sumner Program.com. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. My guest this hour is uh, the author of a book uh, called Extreme. Her name is Joan Gelfand, and she joins me by phone. Joan, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through that. Thanks. It's interesting. <laughs> um, now, we've been talking about words and, and how much words matter and different forms of communication um, and I mentioned in your introduction a little while ago that um, you're a writer, poet, uh, and, and, and a critic, um, but why a novel? <laughs> Ooh, Tom, that's a hard question. <laughs> Don't you know writers, uh, you know, uh, these books find, find us. Is that they is, is that just that everybody wants to write the great American novel? Is that <laughs> is that it? No, I really didn't. I really didn't. I was uh, a poet. I wrote a book for writers, uh, by the way, called "You Can Be a Winning Writer," and uh, it was the number one Amazon bestseller. So I did write a book to help writers on their writing journey. Um, and I coach writers, just so that your listeners know that. Um, but why a novel? Well, when I started to hang around with some people who lived in Silicon Valley, and this is back about in the turn of, uh, you know, right before 2000, uh, I was very intrigued with the culture. And I was very intrigued with startups and how some startups made it and some didn't. And you know what they say, nothing is lost on writers, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of observing and observing. And then I decided that there weren't enough books kind of explaining uh, what it was really like behind the scenes in Silicon Valley. There were a few, maybe three or four at that time. So I began to write the book. Well, unfortunately, then the dot-com imploded, in, as you remember, in the early 2000s, and uh, it was hard to place it. So I, I put it away. And then when uh, we kind of got into Web 2.0, which was when you know Facebook, Twitter, Google all kind of came up, um, and people were very intrigued, I, I brought the novel back out, and I, I worked on it again. Um, so, you know, it, it, it was a, a good writing process. You, you get a little bit more of a canvas to spread out in when you work on a novel. You can really explore themes, large, large themes like uh, betrayal and uh, 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 success and what is success. So I wanted to explore some of those issues. Yeah, thanks for asking. So, so tell me about Extreme. What uh, was this a okay. story that you had had in your head that you just had to to get out? I think it was more that I was interested in the characters and um, in the, as they say, the arc 
of of a startup, you know, how things kind of go from uh, very, very small ideas and sometimes they take off, then you get an investment, then, uh, you know, the company usually has to change what the, how they're doing things, uh, they have to grow, so then it's a lot of uh, backstory about the engineering. Uh, my story takes place in a gaming startup. And uh, the, the game that the company is has created is for extreme sports players. So the idea is that uh, someone who uh, has skateboarding tricks or snowboarding tricks or heli skiing or all these base jumping, all these crazy extreme sports, they would film themselves doing something very creative and then uh, send it in to be judged. So that that's the basics of the company in the book. But then, of course, there's the drama of all the people who create the company. So, uh, you know, it was really fun to write and really interesting and uh, out of my comfort zone. But uh, it's been great. It's been very well received. And and you just uh, basically ratted out all the people in uh, Silicon Valley then. <laughs> uh, no, I did. Actually, it's funny because I had an interview on um, NPR with Tech Nation, and 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 Moira Gunn said to me, "So you know, uh, all these founders, they're, they're kind of narcissists, right?" And and I I didn't want to play into that. You know, I was like, "Well, in my company, <laughs> you know, uh, we don't really have narcissists. Um, the CEO is very ambitious." Um, but no, we we don't rat out any people. But people say, my readers say, oh, you know, now I really understand what happens uh, in, a, in a startup. Now I understand the mystery behind all these, you know, billion-dollar buyouts and, and why uh, companies get so successful so fast. And, uh, you know, what, what my book shows is that it's not really that fast. No... Nothing is that fast. There's usually a lot of work behind the scenes and sometimes for, you know, five to ten years before you hear about these big acquisitions. Was was writing the novel um, just a, a, a huge undertaking after a lot of your writing were shorter pieces or collections of things? Yes, yes, yes. It's a big commitment. I, I tell people it's like writing a PhD thesis, except you write it about eight times. Um, <laughs> you know, Ernest Hemingway said, you know, I, I don't let anything out of my hands unless I've revised it ten times. And when I would tell people, oh, yeah, I wrote this book, and then I wrote it again, and then I wrote it again, they kind of... Well, the writing it, is... People can't believe it. I've heard a lot of people say that the writing is, is the fun part. It's the editing where... It's, that's where you make your money. <laughs> totally, totally. The editing and also, you know, um, again, back to the words matter. You know, making sure that you've really communicated what you want to communicate. Of course, in a novel, you've got 250 to 300 pages to express yourself. So I hope you've said what you've wanted to say. But sometimes even writers choose the wrong words. I'll read a book and I'll go, oh, my God, why did they say that word? That's such the wrong word. Um, you know, so, so even editors and writers miss 
those moments when they could have chosen a more powerful word. Um, you know, uh, you know, having good vocabulary, they say, is always the sign of a, of a good writer, and uh, it shows that you kind of know your craft. Um, as my old writing teacher used to say, uh, writing, writing creative, you know, books like a novel, it's not just words on a page. You know, you, you have to create a scene that, that pulls people in. And so that's a different kind of writing. Well, you know, I, I have to compliment you on the title of the book because so many times I talk to writers and and I'm I'm reading the title of the book and, you know, it starts out with a three or four word phrase, you know, um, I'll, I'll just uh, grab something from the Sherlock Holmes collection, A Scandal in Bohemia, the story of a dog and... and you know his his master and uh, you know and and these titles are so long that I, I can never remember them from one minute to the next and yours is extreme a novel it's short it's short <laughs> <laughs> and and i love that because that so one good. word makes you want to open the book yes right and that is really hard i mean in it is hard companies, there's whole departments that create, uh, most of the authors I know, their books have been retitled by the marketing department. Um, you know, my book, The Winning Writer, uh, when I presented it to, um, uh, to my publisher, the title was uh, The Four C's, uh, Craft, Commitment, Community, and Confidence. And, and, and obviously it was for writers, and they said, no, the title's going to be You Can Be a Winning Writer. I thought, okay, well, that's probably better. <laughs> and, and then they you know, put the so four yeah. C's part under the title. Right, they used that as a subtitle. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the whole, whole genius brains, well, they, uh, they call those folks branding, uh, they work in branding. You know, people work, that's what their job is is to figure the right words, naming things, titling things. Um, yeah, really, really not as easy as it looks. Yeah, we get a little uh, jaded when, when, because we think, oh, that was easy, name it. No, there's a lot of research often that goes behind naming books, naming companies, uh, all kinds of naming programs. Uh, it's, a lot, it's, it's a serious business. <laughs> Just like your business is a serious business, you're you're in the words business. Well, I was going to say it's it's not all that serious the way I do it. <laughs> mm. I I try not to take myself too seriously, Joan. That's um, good, Tom. But but I do think words matter. You know, as somebody who does a lot, I have a lot of conversations with a lot of fascinating and very gifted people and and I'm really lucky to be doing what I'm doing and and I'm very happy to be doing what I'm doing um, but one of the things that's frustrating to me is that people don't want to spend the time reading or writing yes well this is this is unfortunately uh and let me tell you, I've been pretty shocked that the more I, I hear about these things, um, it's, it's been a trend for the last, I'd say, decade, maybe more, 
where the liberal arts reading and writing is not as focused on um, as, let's say, STEM is these days, uh, you know, math, engineering, science, right? You hear a lot about STEM, science, engineering, math. So, um, you know, the focus from when, you know, we were coming up in school, but you know, you 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 didn't get out alive if you couldn't write a decent report, right? Well, yeah. And now people are showing up in in work situations, and um, they don't really know the basics. So often, I have to tell people because I coach writers. You know, the the the, the old, uh, as they say, the old saw, which is in journalism: tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them and tell them what you told them. And, and you know, you have to, like, some of these basic premises of successful authorship and successful communication, they're, they're just maxims. They're, 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 they work. You know, the reason that they're out there in the culture is because they work. I was, always taught, so the, like, I was always taught the inverted pyramid where you... Me where you put all the information into the lead. And then right. everything after that is just details that could be cut if they don't have room for your story. Right, and, and backing <laughs> up your premise, and backing up your premise. Right, I mean, there, there is that, and of course the lead is very, very important. And and it gets to one of the things that, that you talked about in the in the first segment when you were saying you know don't don't wait to to say you know to to do the takeaway absolutely absolutely you know uh, then there's this other uh uh edict in in writing a novel you know if there's a gun in in chapter one it better go off you know like uh if you're gonna bring <laughs> in uh, a character or uh a device uh, you know, let's see what happens with that device. Don't don't leave me hanging. And um, you know, but the, these uh, these things are not that easy. Uh, a lot of if people, if if you're not coming up in a in school or in a household where um, writing and communicating properly is important or taken seriously then, um, you know, it's hard to learn on your own. There's two things I wanted to say. One is uh, that there was a study done about um, why certain kids were getting uh, high SAT scores. And um, the, the only thing that they could find, and this will be a little bit surprising, across the board was these kids uh, all shared a family dinner. With their family and I thought that was really interesting because around the dinner table gives kids a chance to say oh this happened in school oh I didn't understand this oh can you explain this oh how do you say this what's a better way to say this it's, it's a chance during the day for parents to actually mentor their children right and then there's the other thing that they say to writers which I I really love and I tell all my students, um, you know, if you want to be a good writer, read, read. And that's another, just what you said, people don't want to take the time to write and to read. 
and to really learn how to write well, uh, you know, reading, even if you don't read big, fat novels, what about reading, committing to read a, a couple of uh, journals a day, uh, online news, if you don't understand a word, look it up. This is actually my favorite thing about reading on the Kindle. If you don't understand a word, all you do is press on it, and you get the dictionary definition. Boy, I, I would have loved that, because when I was a kid, that was that was one of my dad's real... Um, uh, uh, oh, he was just fanatical about, you know, if you didn't know what a word was, look it up. Look it up. He I said do. that all the time. I can't tell you how many times I heard my dad say, well, look it up. Totally, because then you see the word in all of its um, uses. You know, they'll tell you, oh, this is a word that is used this way sometimes and that way sometimes. You're like, wow. And, and remember when your teacher used to, you used to actually sit down in class and have vocabulary lessons, you know. Now they're, and of course the SATs, the college entrance exams, are half logic and math and half English vocabulary is still really, really important. And sometimes the right word can help you express something so much more clearly. Um, so, yeah, reading, expanding your vocabulary, um, taking the time, these things are all so important. And you mentioned the, the um, priority given to STEM programs, science, technology, engineering, and math. And I was really kind of excited to see a, a little thing in the news um, well, fairly recently uh, that some tech schools are adding arts and they're, they're calling it STEAM. Mm, wow. Which and is, what are they, what's that acronym? Science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Oh. Excellent. And it and it's exciting to see people coming around to that, you know, that that's starting to find its way back into the mix. Well, honestly, I think we're seeing the um, outfall of not focusing on the language arts with students because, you know, they're showing up and they are not as literate as they should be. Um, you know, what people need to realize is that most of the tech companies, you have to be able to write a very clear report. You know, it's not just being a great engineer or a product person or a marketing person. You really actually know how to have to know how to uh, communicate. So it all goes back to reading, writing, learning, keeping open. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting, the um, people that were demonstrating in support of uh, the president yesterday in Washington, D.C., I saw some pundits talking about them uh, early this morning, and they were trying to figure out if there was any sort of plan or if there was any kind of goal. What were these people demonstrating for or about other than we love Trump? Yeah, I think that, you know, the more I read yesterday, I see that, um, you know, over these months, uh, November to December, over these two months since the election, the repeated 
uh, trope of the election was stolen. This was our election. It was stolen. And so you repeat that often enough and people just own it. I just saw something come across the news either early this morning or last night. And they said uh, a woman called CNN crying and said, did my president lie to me? You know, the election wasn't stolen. So so those words, you know, repeated, um, you know, really got people into a place of, oh, this, this isn't a, a fair election. Oh, this isn't a, a, a free country. Uh, we're, we're, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, well, the, it, words, the words definitely went, turned things south. Yeah. Well, yeah, when somebody types BRB, you know, be right back. Um, right. You know, okay, when? <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> Is there a bomb in your house? You know, I, you know, it doesn't tell you anything. And we're yeah, so used know, to communicating in just bits and pieces like that that we're, we're usually not getting the whole story. Tom, that is so funny that you brought that up because one of one of this this isn't in the in the article that I wrote, but um, one of the things that I think has happened is that people have re- started to rely on emoticons to make sure that their tone is uh, that that the tone comes across, across correctly. So, in other words, they'll write a very abrupt email like BRB. And then a little smiley face. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, which and adds, now these emoticons. Which adds nothing so to the information. You know, I'm, right. I'm, I'm waiting for an emoticon to come out that, that means, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and, and the companies, you know, like um, Bitmoji and all these emoticons, you know, they're, it's like cheating. It's like, oh, well, I won't say what I really want to say, but I'll use this face, you know, uh, or, or this emoticon. And, and I think that um, it's making us intellectually less rigorous. And that's the scary part. And that's the part about being a writer that I feel like, um, if nothing else, it keeps my brain working really hard. Because you have to say what you mean and find the right words. And for writers, sometimes I'll write a sentence and I'll leave a blank. And I know I'll just come back to it (laughs) later and either the word will come to me or I'll go to my thesaurus or I'll go to my rhyming dictionary. Um, You know, these days, like you said, there's really not a reason to not uh, get our language skills strong because you go to dictionary.com or thesaurus.com. I mean, it's all there, right? Um, so I encourage people to really keep uh, becoming more and more and more articulate. Um, it's, it's really important. Well, Joan, I appreciate that, and I can't believe how fast our time has gone. And I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? I have two websites. <laughs> One is for uh, the novel, which is www dreamthebook.com and people can see all about the book and the story and about where to get it and the reviews 
And then I have my own website, which is about my writing and coaching, called uh, uh, just www.joangelfand.com. Well, so Joan, I'm easy to find. Great. Joan, thanks so much. I have to, I have to bust Thank out for a break, Tom. but it was great okay, talking with you again. Thank you, Tom. Take care. Hey, okay. <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. 
Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you are worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
appointed to vote for President of the United States is 538. Within that whole number, a majority is 270. The votes for President of the United States are as follows. Joseph R. Biden, Jr. of the state of Delaware has received 306 votes. Donald J. Trump of the state of Florida has received 232 votes. The whole number of electors appointed to vote for Vice President of the United States is 538. Within that whole number, a majority is 270. The votes for Vice President of the United States are as follows. Kamala D. Harris of the state of California has received 306 votes. Michael R. Pence of the state of Indiana has received 232 votes. The announcement of the state of the vote by the President of the Senate shall be deemed a sufficient declaration of the persons elected president and vice president of the United States, each for the term beginning on the 20th day of January 2021, and shall be entered together with the list of the votes on the journals of the Senate and the House of Representatives. Oh, beautiful for 
spacious skies for amber ways of gray for purple mountains majesty above a fruited plain America America God shed his grace on it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. That's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories to wrap things up. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room, but thanks to uh, writer Joan Gelfand, uh, my guest this past hour, and uh, authors Jack Canfield and Marion Laundry from Hour 2, and we started out with um, Alexandra Bracken, author of The Darkest Minds, and her new book, Lore. Uh, join us tomorrow. We'll talk about yesterday's shenanigans. Were they shenanigans or schmackery? Anyway, tune in with uh, Mark the Tom Everson. The program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. 
Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.